Well, hey, welcome to Propel Church. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome to those of you who are watching online with us today. You may notice that this is a different environment, a different format. One of the things that we ran into on Sunday were some audio complications where some things were cutting in and then going back out. But we have an incredible team who made the decision to set up all of our equipment in what will be our future home so that you could get this message. We believe that week one of this message series is so important that we couldn't just skip past it or just go, oh, well, we ran into some technical difficulties. No, we believe that you need to get the content from this because we are kicking off a brand new series called Roadblocks. And I don't know about you, but I've ran into some roadblocks from time to time in my life. One of those roadblocks that I've run into uh, was just the other week. It was a couple months ago. And as I was driving down the road, I live off of Highway 49, uh, heading towards Richfield. And I have this daily commute into Mount Pleasant. So I'm driving down all the way down Highway 49, and I'm surrounded by really nothing but trees. So I'm surrounded by trees. And when it storms in this area, It's really easy for trees to blow over into the road. But on this particular day, I was uh, on the way to a meeting. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I love to build in incredible margin into my meeting schedule. So I like to build about 10 to 15 minutes of margin in there. So I'm leaving the house, but today I have about two minutes of margin. And I know what you're thinking, two minutes is not a lot of margin, and you're Exactly correct. So I've got two minutes of margin. I'm rounding a corner on Highway 49 on the way to the office, and all of a sudden I run into a roadblock. And I began to get so incredibly frustrated because the thing that was standing between me and where I wanted to go was a roadblock. And with every roadblock comes a detour. And so now I'm having to drive through the country in the middle of nowhere. There's only a couple ways to go from point A to point B in, uh, on Highway 49. And so I'm going past cow pastures and fields. And finally I get to my destination and I'm late. But as I'm driving, God begins to speak to me. That so many of us end up having roadblocks in life. And because we run into some roadblocks, we end up having to take a detour to our destiny. Like God wants to take you and I on a path. Jesus talks about the path that it's a a narrow one. And on the journey that you and I have in our walk with Christ, we end up running into a roadblock leading us to a detour. And so we wanted to build a message series for you and for I that would allow us to talk about what are some roadblocks that we run into so that we can overcome those roadblocks and experience God in our everyday life. And so here at Propel Church, we say that we want you to do four things. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I'm going to say those again for you. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Those four things, we believe, are what it looks like to have a holistic relationship with Jesus. It's what it looks like to tap into abundant life that's been promised to you and I by God. So knowing God is an incredibly important thing. I want to talk to you about knowing God today because the reason is this. If we don't get this know God part right, the other four, three things don't work. Like if you know God then you can find freedom. You can discover your purpose and you can make a difference. But if you don't know God, then your freedom will be temporary at best. If you 
don't know God, then you won't discover a purpose that really makes a difference in this life. You'll just live for yourself, and it's not how God intended you and I to live. So as I was thinking about knowing God, it brought me to a story in Genesis chapter 11. You can turn there if you're reading along with us today. But as I was thinking about this concept of knowing God, one of the things that um, I thought about was uh, some of the projects we're doing in this facility. This is a really big project. If you want to read more about it, you can at more. You can read more about this campaign and what we're doing in this new facility. But um, Will and I were working in this facility. Will's one of the guys on our staff. We're working in this facility the other week. And as we're working in it, uh, we came across a project that really needed about five guys. However, I'm an incredibly overambitious individual, right? Where are my overambitious people at? Awesome. There's a couple of you. See, we believe, I believe, that being overly ambitious is, is an incredible gift. So I look at Will, and this is a big project, but I'm like, dude, you give us two hours and you and I can take care of this, right? I'm speaking life into him, and I believe that we can do it. And about three days later, we ended up calling three more people, and we got it done, right? And so Will doesn't believe me anymore when I tell him how long a project's going to take. Because I think sometimes you and I actually overestimate our ability to carry out God's will or God's plan in our own life. We find this is true in Genesis chapter 11. To bring you up to speed with the text, God has flooded the whole earth, but he's given this one guy a position to carry out his plans after the earth is flooded. It was a man named Noah. Noah built an ark because a flood is coming, so everybody thinks he's crazy. He's building an incredibly big boat, and on this boat, he's going to save two of every animal. Unfortunately, on day 37, it was recorded that unicorns were incredibly tasty, and that's why we don't have them anymore. So Noah builds a boat. The waves come, the waters come, the earth is flooded, and then God saves them. 40 days and 40 nights later, Noah then comes out and God speaks to Noah, telling him that he's going to scatter his descendants across the whole earth. But in doing that, there were some people, as the generations continued to carry on, that weren't really pumped about this thought of being scattered everywhere. So they thought that their plan was better. Let's look at the plan that they came up with in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. It says this, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinhar, and they settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, and let us build a city ourselves with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we might make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And you may be thinking, why in the world would they build a tower? Well, the truth is, they built a tower because the common thought of that day was that because the heavens were above the earth, if they built a tower tall enough, they could get to God. If they worked hard enough together and if they built this tower and they built a fortified city to protect them and they built all of these things and they worked hard enough, they could then achieve access to God. And you say, Nick, that sounds ridiculous. But the truth is, you and I actually do 
the same thing. It doesn't look like tower building, but really it looks a whole lot like ladder climbing. It, it looks like this. For some of us, we believe that if we just read our Bible enough, then we can know God. Or, or maybe we, we don't believe that it's, it's about Bible reading. Maybe it's about being a good person. And so if we just do enough good deeds, then we can know God. Or maybe it's not about just being a good person. Maybe it's about money. Maybe if we just give enough money to the church, then, then we can know God. And, and everything we're doing is more human effort-based than anything. It, it's, it's, it's you and I thinking that if we just simply climb the ladder, if we just do enough, are good enough, and can be enough, then we can get to God. It's not uncommon for you and I to think this way. In fact, this is how every other religion in the world works. That if you and I just do enough good things, or if we're just a good enough person, then we can build a tower that reaches to God. There's three roadblocks that I believe stand in the way of your relationship with God, and we, I'm going to pull them right out of verse number 4 in Genesis chapter 11. Three roadblocks. The first one is this, self-reliance. Self-reliance. Verse 4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. Let us build ourselves. We want to do this on our own. They're going to make bricks. They're going to do it on their own. They're going to work hard enough. They were self-reliant in their efforts to get to God. And you may be thinking that this is not a problem for most Christians today, but I would beg to differ because Paul wrote a whole book in Galatians to people who were doing just that, who thought that they could become self-reliant, who thought that their own sufficiency or their own supremacy would be good enough to get them to God. So they thought, if I just worked hard enough, I, I could get to God. If I could just be a good enough person. Or in, in Galatians, the issue was circumcision. So if, I, if yeah, I can have Jesus Christ, but if I have Jesus plus circumcision, then I have access to God. And Paul says, you fools. If you could do this on your own, if, if you could be good enough, then there would be no reason for Jesus to die. Self-sufficiency is a roadblock that keeps you and I from knowing God because it forces you and I to think that we can actually get to God on our own. That through simply climbing a ladder, through building a tower, through working hard enough, we can get to God. And it's just simply not true. The second roadblock that we find is self-elevation. Self-elevation. So it says this in verse 4. So come, let us build a city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the heavens. That's their desire. We want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. I don't think there's a problem with having a desire to get to God. The desire manipulation comes next as we continue reading. The deception of the enemy comes next as we look at verse 4. So they want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we might make a name for ourselves. Their motivation wasn't to get to God. Their motivation was to become like God. Through self-elevation, they decided to place themselves in a position where they were equals with God. Pride is one of those things that will cause you and I to not 
come closer to God, but actually draw farther and farther away from Him. God, it says in Scripture that God detests the proud, but elevates the humble. Pride is not attractive in the eyes of God. In fact, pride is the very thing that caused Lucifer to fall from heaven, taking a third of the angels with him. Pride is the very thing that caused Eve in Genesis chapter 3 to take of the fruit after she had bought into the lies of the enemy. Knowing God doesn't have anything to do with pride. In fact, the applause of man will never usher you into the presence of God. Pride is one of those things that will keep you further and further away from God because what pride causes us to do is become our own God. Pride is one of those things that also fuels this sin issue called idolatry. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't struggle with idolatry. That's not an issue for me. But anytime you place yourself above God, you have an idolatry issue. We read in the Ten Commandments that there are to be no other gods before me, says the Lord. Well, I don't put anything above God, but, but here's, here's how it looks like normally. I've got some opinions. What, what we say in 2019 is I have my own truth. I'm, I'm just trying to own my truth. But the truth is you and I don't have truth. We have opinions because truth has to exist outside of us. That's why we find truth in God's Word. And so we look, at, we look at Scripture and we go, no, I'm not going to let my own opinions formulate Scripture. I let Scripture formulate my opinions. The moment I look at Scripture and let my own opinions twist and manipulate it to say what I want it to say, I've now become my own God. I'm stuck in self-idolatry, self-elevation, and it's a roadblock that will keep me from knowing Him. It's just like climbing a ladder. The third thing is this, self-preservation and deception. Self-preservation and deception. The enemy is crafty and has been doing this an incredibly long time. He's been doing it for so long, in fact, that his game plan hasn't changed. He's been running the same play since day one. You can go back to Genesis chapter 3. He convinces Eve that God's plan wasn't as good as the plan she could come up with for herself. He says, well, did God really say that? And if he did, you know he's withholding something from you because he knows that you'll become more like him. And that's one of those deceptions that the enemy has. It says this in verse 4, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. I told you in the beginning of this passage that God had told them that they would be scattered over the whole earth. And the whole reason was God wanted to spread out his people across the world that they might give glory and honor to him to advance his kingdom and usher his mission to the ends of the earth. But these people felt like if they protected themselves, if they built a city big enough, then they could keep themselves from God's plan. Because the truth is they thought their plan was better. And self-deception and self-preservation is you and I buying into the lie that the plan we can come up with for our own life is better than the one that God has planned up. Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do more than we might ask, think, or imagine. The greatest plan that I could draw up for my own life is no comparison to the plan that God has for me. 
You and I get stuck in these three roadblocks, self-reliance, which fuels self-sufficiency, thinking that we can do it on our own, self-elevation, which fuels pride and idolatry, self-preservation and deception, which is really boiled down to a lack of trust in a loving Heavenly Father. These are some roadblocks that keep you and I from truly knowing God, from thinking that if we can just work up the ladder, if we can just climb hard enough, then we can get to God. But the truth is that if we can work to get to God, then there would have been no reason for Jesus to die. And we don't need God. In, in the arena of pride, if, if, if we think that we've elevated ourselves above God, we don't need God because we're our own God. And in the area of of deception, if we think that God's plan for our life isn't as good as the one we can dream up, then the enemy is going to keep us from ever experiencing the vastness of God's plan and purpose for our lives. These are three roadblocks that we run into. Let's keep reading in Genesis chapter 11 to see how the Lord responds to these people. But it says then in verse 5, But the Lord came down to see a city and a tower of people that the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible. So come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there... The Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. If you've ever wondered how multiple language ended up uh, being a, a part of the world, we find it right here in Genesis chapter 11. But if you're taking notes this morning in this message called We've Got This, talking about roadblocks that keep us from knowing God, I want you to write this down. Working to gain access to God ends in confusion and separation. Working to gain access to God ends in confusion and separation. So what did we get from the text? Uh, everything we're doing, everything we're, we're pulling out from this message is coming straight out of this passage of Scripture. So go back and read Genesis chapter 11. But it says, when the Lord saw what they were doing, when the Lord saw that they were trying to build a city for themselves and trying to work their way to build a tower to get to Him, He came down and He caused confusion in their life and they ended up being scattered anyways. There was separation that took place. And for many of us, this, is, this confusion and separation idea is a great summation of what our relationship with God looks like. We're confused because we feel like we, we've been working at this or somebody told you that if you just worked hard enough, if you just prayed enough, if you just read enough, gave enough or did enough, then it would all pan out. And 20 years later, you're still in the same place you were spiritually 20 years ago. You're confused going, I thought if I just worked hard enough, then it would happen. And others of us, really, if you don't have a relationship with God, separation is absolutely a thing. Because sin creates a separation, a divide between God and man. We read in Romans that all have sinned. So take comfort. You're not the only sinner, right? We've all messed up. We've all got issues. 
We all, apart from Jesus, are separated from God. If we're down here and God's up here, the gap between us was created because of sin. But thankfully, God didn't want to just leave us there. He didn't want to leave us confused. He didn't want to leave us separated. His desire was to bring us together through Jesus. And for some of you watching this video right now, you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're wondering, Pastor, why do we have to talk about this all the time? I've been coming to Propel for a little while, and I notice every, every couple of months you bring out a message, and it seems so shallow, so foundational, and, and there's a couple of reasons. The, the first one is, um, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, one of the deepest things you can do is jump in the kiddie pool and teach other people how to swim. And the, the biggest thing that keeps you from discovering God's purpose and plan for your life is actually sharing your faith. And you don't know how to share your faith because you don't understand the foundation of this thing. So we talk about it a lot because I want you to catch it. The second reason is because Jesus gives us this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, which is incredibly alarming for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? And then I'll announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. If you're a follower of Jesus, that verse right there should do something to you internally. Like it should make you step back and make you think because the audience that Jesus is talking to are not those who we would consider lost people. They're not people who don't know God because it says the people who Jesus is talking to are those who prophesied in his name, who drove out demons in his name, who did miracles in his name, who paid for the person's food behind them in the car line in his name, who served at church in his name, who pastored in his name. These are going to be the people who led small groups in his name, who just showed up to church regularly in his name. Like he's talking to church folk. He's talking to people who claim to be followers of Jesus, and he's going, you knew a whole lot about me, but I never knew you. The difference between religion and relationship is you knowing about God, that's religion, and God knowing you, that's relationship. And you only get to know God through Jesus. So if you're taking notes, I, 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 I'm going to get to this in a second, but... The greatest roadblock in knowing God is working for something that can only be received. Like, like, I need you to get this. I need you to understand this because it'll change the way you live out your relationship with God. Everything that Jesus has just listed in that Matthew chapter 7 passage are people working and striving for something. And he's saying, if you worked for it, if you tried to earn it, if you did all of this laundry list of things, you need to know that's not enough because works never bring you closer to God. Working for something that can only be received is going to be your greatest hindrance in actually knowing 
Jesus. But I believe that for a lot of Christians, we buy into a counterfeit version of Christianity. See, before Jesus, I have a background, I have a past. And one of the things that uh, I used to do back in the day is I had some friends who um, would make uh, fake money. So we would print fake money. We would, we would wash fake money through some businesses and things like that. And one of the things that we would do with fake money for, with these counterfeit bills is we would make them look absolutely as close as possible to the originals. They would have the same stamps, markings, insignias, uh, color strips, the whole work. The truth is, on the outside, we made some really good bills. We made some stuff that looked so authentic that it passed the, the test with that little, you know, that little pen test. I'm not going to tell you how to make fake bills in today's message, but I'm just telling you, they were good. So on the outside, they looked like $100 bills, but on the inside, they had zero value whatsoever. And I think that's what a lot of Christians look like today. Externally, it looks like they have a lot of value, but they've bought into a counterfeit version of God's plan and purpose. And because they bought into a counterfeit version of God's plan and God's purpose, they end up not actually knowing God. You can go back in your own time and read it, but there's a passage of Scripture where Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're completely dead. And my hope for you and I today is not that we would be whitewashed tombs, not that we would buy into a counterfeit version of the gospel, but that we would transition into actually knowing God. Because when we begin to know God, everything else begins to pan out. The greatest roadblock in knowing God is working for something that can only be received. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9 says this, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. So look at that. Look at that. You've been saved. How? By grace, through faith, and not of yourself. It's a gift from God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. It's not a result of works. Because if it would be a result of works, you could take credit for it. I can't take credit for my salvation. I can't take credit for what Jesus did for me. No, I can only receive it by faith. And by faith, I'm saved. If you're taking notes as well today, knowing God only happens through Jesus. There's a common misconception uh, in our world today that all roads lead to God. And so by, by some mysterious form or fashion, every religion, every roadmap, every pathway ultimately leads us back to God. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. There's only one way to God. And it happens through Jesus. Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 6, that I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you ever hear people say, well, all roads lead to God, they don't. Jesus leads to God. Jesus is the only way that we have access to God. It's through God paying for your sin and my sin that we receive Him as our Lord 
and Savior. Let me show you why ladder climbing doesn't work. Every other religion says if you just work hard and you do good and you act well enough, then maybe you'll get to God. Christianity is not about climbing up the ladder to get to God. The beauty of Christianity is that God came down the ladder to us. Romans says that while we were still sinners, Christ died in our place. That while we still had faults and flaws and failures, God looked up from heaven and he said, I desire a relationship with them so much that I'm willing to come down the ladder to take form of man, to live a sinless life and to die in their place so that in me they could have new life. John 14, he says, I am the way. If you've been looking for another way to get to God other than Jesus, it will not work. If you've been looking for truth or you've bought into a lie from the enemy, you need to know that the only truth you'll ever discover is found in Jesus Christ. And for some of us in our life, we've been living with no purpose, no passion, no vision. Jesus says, if you really want to discover it, you'll know that I'm the way, I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And if you want to get to the Father, it happens one way through me. And you may be thinking that sounds like an incredibly arrogant statement. But Jesus put his money where his mouth is. These aren't just empty words that Jesus would die. Jesus would carry the cross. It was my cross. He would stand trial on a trial that he was guilty, I was guilty, but he was found guilty in my place. The cross he carried was my cross. The nails he was given were my nails. The hanging there was my hanging. His death was my death because he chose to die in my place. One of my favorite ways to say it is that God chose to kill his son so that he didn't have to kill you. As Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, he has the opportunity to come off at any time. Scripture says he was obedient to the point of death. That he chose to step onto the cross and stay there. And as he breathed his last breath, I believe he's thinking in his mind, they're worth it. If this means that a way is created for them to have access to God, for them to be saved, it's worth it. So how do we know God? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10 tells us that if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. That's it. You may have thought that I was going to come out with a list of 12 things, or if you do these four steps, you'll, you'll be saved. What Scripture tells us, the way to be saved is this. Let me read it to you again. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. For it is by our faith 
that we are put right with God is by our confession that we are saved. For some of us today, we've thought our whole lives that if we just worked hard enough, if we just strived enough, if we just read our Bible and we came to church and we served and we gave, then we could get to God. And I want you to know, I believe that Bible reading is important. I believe that church is important. I believe that giving and serving, all of those things are important. But they're not what gets you to God. What gets you and I access to God is by accepting the fact that God would come down the ladder to send His Son Jesus to die in our place so that in Him we could have everlasting life. If you're listening to this message today, here's what I want you to know too. For some of us, we've bought into this idea of climbing the ladder and working to get access to God. For others of us, our relationship with God is contingent on the pastor who we sit under. I think so many Christians still operate with a temple mentality. If you look back at the temple and the tabernacle, what they would do is they had this area, uh, it was called the Holy of Holies, and there was a priest that would go into the Holy of Holies and he would communicate with God on behalf of the people and then he would exit and he would just tell all the people about God because it was contingent on a man of God. Uh, It was necessary for people to communicate with God. But Scripture says that when Jesus was on the cross, the veil was torn. And the separation between God and man was over. So you don't need a relationship with your pastor as much as you need a relationship with God. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to create the opportunity for you. No matter what idea of the gospel you've bought into, if it's anything other than being saved happens by faith through Jesus Christ, you've bought into the wrong gospel. And you can fact check me with God's word all day. It's only by our faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved. If you're listening to this message right now online and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, for some of you, you're you're listening to this and God is stirring something in your heart because you've bought into the wrong version of the gospel. But today is the day where that changes in your life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, I am so honored and thankful that you made a decision for Jesus today. Excited for what God is gonna do in and through your life. We'll see you next Sunday.